Well, good morning, everybody. We're in our next installment of Business Banter. I'm here with Baroth. And Baroth, as usual, I'm going to start off and give you the mic and have you tell us a little intro about yourself and where you're from and all the personal stuff to, uh, to start us off here. So I'll hand it over to you. Thank you so much, uh, Taylor, for having me on the podcast. It's a, it's a, it's a privilege. Um, you know, if I was born in Pittsburgh, my name would have been America Pittsburgh. So that's my name, Bharat Bangalore. So it's the country and the city uh, I'm from. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So I always joke you can put a postage stamp on me and now you can say, you know, send me back. That's great. The address is already, you know, my name. Um, so I, I grew up in India. Um, I changed careers a couple of times in my third round of changing careers. I started out with food and beverage, went to school in Switzerland, came in, then came to grad school in, uh, in uh, Yukon, you know, go Huskies this year in a great, uh, great team. Got my master's and then you know switched to switch careers into accounting, and um, was it was fun. You know I had a great time. Uh, to me, uh, I look at uh, a process and I say, okay, what's the least amount of time we should take to do this? And working in accounting, one of the main functions is month end close. And I looked, you know, my old mentor and I and my boss, we looked at it and say, okay, what's the least amount of time? And the least amount of time you can take is one day because you can't do it on zero day, right? Because you, you, the month hasn't closed. So we said, okay, let's go for it. And so about 18 years ago, we went to a one day close and that's been a standard ever since for me. And after that, the next step was, so, so what next? You've already done the one day close, the least amount of time, what, what else can we do? And, and I saw the changing of the dyna demographics happening in this country where the baby moles are getting to retire, the newer generation coming in kind of the workforce it's it's smaller workforce. That's why we have the historic unemployment going on. And also there's not a one-to-one -one replacement in positions in all professions. Uh, and I saw that change happening. And on this, and along that as well, the kids coming out of college, so I would joke with them when they came in, they would complain, oh my God, I went to college and you want me to do this mind-numbing stuff. You know, they want to poke their eyes out. Uh, and I would joke with them and say, hey, pal, 25 years ago, I did it. Now get to your corner champ and, you know, plug away at those, uh, the PC. Uh, and as you know, you, you know, that doesn't make, you know, it doesn't hold water because at home, I can't get my kid to pick up laundry. <laughs> He's not going to go into the workforce and, uh, you know, sit in the corner. So I started yeah. thinking, okay, what, how do we solve this problem? How do we eliminate um, sort of this frustration? Because kids these days are grow up on the iPhone. You know, everything is at their fingertips. And because of the, the demographics and this historic unemployment, which is going to persist for a while, because we just don't have enough workers, they were not like us. We didn't have, you know, my, when I came into the workforce 25 years ago, there were more people than jobs. So we were like, okay, just tell me, give me a job. I'll do whatever you tell me. I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll just do it. You know, if that's, you want me to mop the floor, where's the broom, right? Just, we, that was the generation, you had no choice. Like everything else, once you have choice, and I think you had, you had alluded to this earlier, once the cat is out of the bag, you can't put it back in. So I realized that you can't do that. And so we've got to look at it differently. 
And I saw sort of the changes happening from a technology perspective where the different pieces of technology were coming together to help automate a lot of the processes. So there's this, this kid who would tell me, oh my God, I went to college to do this. One of the things they were complaining about was, I think 15 or 20, you know, we had a large organization of 400, 500 people. They had to reset passwords about 15, 20 people every day. Different people, not the same people. People would mess up the password. And then so, and you know how you have to call, call IT and say, hey, please reset my password. I don't know what I did. It's the same story, right? I, but it's a simple, different person every day. So it's not the same person. You can't say, listen, Taylor, I reset your password yesterday. Why are you doing this? It's not Taylor every day. It's somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then I realized- as my, wife would say, as my wife would say, it is you every day, Taylor. <laughs> right. But to the other, on the receiving end, to them, it's the same story every day. So I can uh -huh. see their frustration that, yeah, I mean, it just gets old. And I mean, college is not cheap either, right? So you can't go to college and come and reset passwords because that's the entry-level job that you're going to get in. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's how I started looking around and sort of the tool stack came around. And so I realized there's technology that can help. Uh, and I truly believe there are certain tasks that people should not be doing, like resetting passwords or putting together reports and accounting or paying bills, right? Because all those are such repetitive, monotonous, soul-sucking and mind-numbing uh, uh, tasks that it's like the, the, the work of the yesteryears, right? Who works in the field with a pickaxe anymore? Right? You have these John Deere or, or the big these tractors, right? With the GPS and the guys watching Netflix while the thing is just driving up and down and plugging away the, the seeds or killing weeds or whatever it is, right? It's no more mm -hmm. the horse and the buggy and the pickaxe. So it's, it's that. I, I believe we're in the, the seminal moment in history where we're transitioning to uh, certain tasks that have been, you know, you know the office tasks that have been the last probably 30, 40, 50 years, uh, getting those out of the way. Mm -hmm. So and tell me a little bit more. So it sounds to me like a lot of your solutions for automation are sort of on the back end office stuff. So like accounting departments, I mean, it sounds like sort of mm -hmm. IT uh, maintenance kind of things that are monotonous. Is that is that what I'm hearing? And, and then do you have a, a size company or any kind of vertical companies or is it any company of any size can use this in terms of uh, helping them be more efficient? Absolutely. So you're absolutely right. So the, as everything, you know, the evolution of technology, right? So it's in the sort of the infancy stage of that or the, or the sort of the first phase of this evolution. It's very well suited for repetitive work. Uh, and there's a lot of repetitive work in accounting and, in IT, in human resources, um, in, yeah, more those three big departments, the back office departments have a lot of repetitive work that are structured, structured repetitive work that can be automated. Um, so that's where the best fit in is at this moment. From a size of the company, and you, that's a great point you bring up. So I was speaking to somebody the other day in a big Fortune 50 or Fortune 500 bank there actually, and so they have a position called director of automation now on their payroll. So that position did not exist three to five years ago. So that's coming in now. It's similar like web-based positions came in after you know, the Y2K, so to speak, right? <clears throat> These automation-based positions are coming into the workforce. 
And these large Fortune uh, 500 com plus companies, they've had the runway for the last eight to 10 years because they're technically the early adopters because when they're hiring 100, 200, 300 people on a, on a weekly, if not monthly basis, even a small reduction in that hiring need can have big benefits cumulatively. So they've been looking at this for a long time now for the last 10 years. So that's why these positions are coming in. They realize, okay, it's prime time. The tool stack is ready. Let's now go on full force, right? Let's, let's, let's go into fifth gear, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So my vision with this is I saw this happening in the large companies. And I worked for Ritz-Carlton and another group called Peninsula Hotels, large corporations. They've, you know, they had these teams. And I realized the, the foundation of this country fundamentally was built on small businesses. And in a way, this is also being, you know, I saw the challenge that they're being left out of this revolution because they aren't able to afford a director of automation on their entire payroll. And so my vision was to bring this down to the smallest companies, put it at the can right I, price can point. I just, can I just clarify? So when you say small, smaller companies, so we got the Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, mm -hmm. like what do you mean by small? Are you talking 50 employees to 100? Or you like, what do you mean by small? Great. Yeah, I'm actually looking at a range between 25 to 30 employees to about three to 100 to 500 employees. Truly like small, you know, and then sort of touching the medium-sized companies. And then it's normally like we were talking before we, we came on here about, uh, you know, pushback that you get from, you know, institutionalization in terms of people not wanting change at this, like, and we didn't talk about this before, but at the smaller companies, is it is it as difficult? I mean, like, a, you know, somebody who's got 25 employees, I would think, you know, maybe they have a full-time HR person, maybe not. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's not as big a staff. And I would think that automation would be very intriguing for them because they're probably overworked. And, you know, like to your point, doing a lot of probably mindless things that if they could get those off their plate, they might be able to do other things that maybe would be more productive for the company. Is it, is it an easier end to those or are they so overwhelmed that this is like another thing to add to their stack of work? I'm just wondering in terms of who's more open to the, the adoption of this. Right. And I've seen the gamut actually. So there's certain companies, you know, it's all about how innovative they are. Um, and this to me, I wish we can change. And I, I want to help change this as well, because Having lived six years in Hong Kong before coming back, you know, I worked for Ritz-Carlton, then went over to Hong Kong for six years as a, as a stint. The, the name of the game there in that part of the world is innovation and not preservation. And one of the things I was surprised when I came back here after six years going out is here, it seems company seems to be uh, spending time on preservation and not innovation. So I see most, many companies that go into, there's a good mix that are innovative. So the smaller companies, you know, to your point, they see the owners or the senior leaders that say, listen, I want to go as far as I can go with my growth. So any advantage I can take, let me get at it. And, and so then it's an easier conversation because they're, they're hungry and they're looking for innovation. They want to grow and actually be much more stronger in, the, in, the, in their marketplace. But many other companies, unfortunately, are in this sort of a preservation stage because they have, they're overworked to your point. Second is they have no knowledge about automation. They hear about AI in general, about in the, in the, in the workforce, right? In the, in the media. But to them, 
AI is like, you know, I use the analogy is like an electric motor. You have an electric motor in a Tesla and an electric motor in your dishwasher. It's two different motors, right? It's still, it's still I mean, from a fundamental basic level, if you talk to an electrical engineer, they'll tell you it's a motor. But it does two different things, I mean, uh, and two different tolerances, steps, and things like that. So that's where automation is. It's, it's, they have this broad uh, vision of automation saying that it's going to take jobs, but they don't realize that if they adopt this technology, they can be much more satisfied to work. They don't have to be running with their hair on fire every day, right? It's that give and take that you give a bit of time to get this installed, and then you can step back and be the best in class of what you do. Mm-hmm. So I spend a lot of time educating people, actually, uh, letting them know, hey, here's the art of the possible of automation and how you can benefit. It's not a job stealer. At three and a half a person unemployment, whose job is it going to steal? Yeah. Right? Whose job? Because you have 10 open positions or two open positions in the thing. If you, you know, if this takes a job away, I mean, it's all it's going to do is reduce yeah. your re- need for more people. It's not it's going to take any so, job. So let me ask you a question, maybe a little bit more in the weeds question. So how does your process work? So I'm a hundred person company. Um, I need some automation on my accounting side. We'll just use that as an example. Are you a, uh, does your company have a software solution? Do you come in and consult and figure out what they need? Is it a out of the box thing that they can just implement? Like, give me a behind the, you know, you're, you're the engineer, I'm not, but you know, get, get in the toolbox and tell me like, okay, I'm a, I'm a typical customer. What, what does that look like in terms of you implementing something for me? Oh, that's great question actually. So in a way, all the above, um, as a simple example, so like bank reconciliation, every company has to reconcile the bank on a, on a, if not daily basis, on a monthly basis. Ideally, you do it on a daily basis because you know how much cash you have in the bank, right? You want to know to the penny. That's like an auto box. We can do it. It's a subscription. You can come in. Okay, hey, listen, I, I need a process to reconcile the bank because my team, is, if you have more than 500 to 1,000 transactions on a monthly basis in your bank, you're spending a week to two weeks cumulatively over the month on bank reconciliation, you know, either your mental space over time. That's a three to $4,000 of a senior position because you don't give the bank rec to a junior person because the, you know, the, the value of the bank account and all that. So that's three to $4,000 a month you're spending in time internally that's just wasted doing bank recs where for 500 to $1,000, we can get it done on a monthly basis and it's gonna be accurate every day. Now, when you say 500 to 1,000, that's a month or a, a month. year? A month. No, a month. Okay. Because okay. then you're saving still $3,000 a month, yeah. plus or minus, right? Yeah. So it's a very good, uh, quick payback. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify whether it was a monthly or a yearly. That's no good. Yeah. Okay. And then the other side is that I would tell people, I tell people as automation is like building Lego blocks. Start small because it's, a, it's an automation as a service. It's not an application. And my vision is to, as much as possible, you know, provide a solution that fits to your company's needs, not a one size fits all. Sure. Well, I can close the books in one business day, right? I've ordered the last 18 years. I can do it with my eyes closed, so to speak. But what worked in my past does not work in your, your company. So there's a bit of understanding what you do now, why you do now, and then customizing that solution for you 
So this way, it's not suddenly, you know, apples and oranges and say, listen, do it my way because you're foolish. That's horrible. You know, that's not the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. So we customize the process. We understand their workflow. And then, of course, we help them streamline, take advantage of the technology. So this way, you know, they're not being inefficient or we're trying to, trying to uh, automate an inefficient process. So we help with that whole transition and education and build a program out for them and then help maintain it. So is, is the technology proprietary your technology? Are you taking out of the box technology? Is it a combination of all the above? Leg of the stool, so to speak, that I bring on is the bigger companies there. So there are three big companies in the marketplace that offer license-based uh, applications. So you have to buy the whole uh, suite of automation from them. And it's a give or take between, you know, for the first automated uh, project, it's about $15,000. Uh, um, a year in maintenance, and then it's $10,000 for each additional bot, as they call it, like a digital worker. So if you have you know, two, it's 25,000 in maintenance automatically, but you still have to pay for the setup, right? The, the coding and things like that. So it becomes, even an annual maintenance becomes high. Being a CFO in the past, for me, return on investment was key. <clears throat> so I looked at the open source model. So there's a language called Python, uh, which is pretty ubiquitous now. So we use an open source model that has no license-based uh, uh, expenses on an annual basis. There is a small maintenance for the compute environment and, and us maintaining the project. So instead of paying $15,000 a year, you probably will pay like 5,000 a year. So third of the price to maintain that a year on an annual basis. And, and to your point, you're, you're customizing it. So it's, exactly. not, it's not an out of the box solution, you're, you're customizing. To their need though. And also we're, yeah. we, we, we standardize as much as possible. So also I wanna be careful. We don't customize it where it becomes, you know, so particular to them that they can't use it anymore, right? They have to change, but mm -hmm. it's customized in a way where it's actually, it's, it lasts for the next 10 years, if anything. Yeah, that's great. All right, well, I just wanna spend a couple more minutes and then, you know, let's look into the future. You and I had a very fun conversation about AI and, you know, what the next five to 10 years. So maybe let's just spend a couple of last minutes here on how you see the AI automation world evolving together. And, you know, it seems to me every day I read the paper and there's something new and it's evolved and new usages and mm -hmm. you know, scary stuff, exciting stuff, the combination of, uh, of the two. So maybe, you know, Tell me how you see the future. Like, <laughs> absolutely. We, yeah, I know you're upbeat about it, so that's that's a good sign. It's like talking to your your broker, right? <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. going to go up. It's going to go up. So, so I don't know if you know this or not. Historically, apparently in in England, the 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 times of the tide. You know, so shipping was a huge industry at the one time, right? Mm -hmm. So the tide, the timing of the tides. Apparently, you had to purchase that. Historically, did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Huh. So there was a monopoly of that. So the tide master or the harbor master, they are the only ones you knew who kept track of this. And so if you were a, uh, a shipper, you know, you had a boat, you had to figure out because you, you know, they didn't have deep harbors, right? At that time, you had to basically wait for the tide to get in until somebody came and said, wait a minute, this is, you know, it happens on clockwork. So we can just put a little timetable and publish it and you're done. There Where did go. that change actually? So I believe, so if you're a harbor master charging people to read, the, to tell you, to, to tell them what time the tide comes in, 
and goes, you're going to be out of business. Mm -hmm. This is that analogy. So to that you know, 21st century analogy of that is there are tasks that people should not be doing in the first place at all. Processing invoices, you know, putting, trying to hire someone into a system where you have to put their name in 10 different places just because that's how the, you have multiple systems that you have. Uh, doing, putting together reports, like reconciling bank statements. That's an absolute waste of anyone's time, brain power, you know, and you know, at smartness. So those tasks should be gone, you know, away. So my uh, my view is, is is that there's a lot of fear of people losing their jobs. So if you're only doing bank reconciliations, or you're that harbor master, right, telling people the time, unfortunately, it's going to happen. Right. But on the flip side. Think about how much, what you can do. How everybody has the, I wish I could do X, Y, Z, right? Nobody says, oh my God, I have five hours of exciting time to put a report together. People want time to analyze the report, right? Nobody says, oh my God, I have 15 hours to analyze the report or five hours to analyze the report. Everybody is always, you, you take, you know, 90% of your time to put the report together 10% to actually review it. And then you go into a meeting and say, oh my God, I see mistakes. I'm going to come back to the next meeting. Mm -hmm. We can flip that, right? So start people saying, hey, spend your time on analysis. What are we humans good at? Putting, you know, points of information, data together and making, uh, making decisions. That's what we're wired to do, you know? So that's what I see it's going. I think it's going to be yeah. fun. That's great. Fascinating. Well, we'll have to maybe have a follow-up podcast and, you know, no, a few months down the road, I'm sure that, you know, things are going to be quite different and I'll be curious to see how your business goes. And you know, I think you're in a great space. Yeah. You know, with my little uh, augmented reality, virtual reality consultancy, I, mm -hmm. I preach the same thing that there's fewer workers and you have to use technology to get more out of what you got. And, you know, training times need to come down because, you know, this next generation doesn't stay. Right. So the key is how quickly can you get them trained up to to be productive, knowing exactly. that you're going to have a short span where they're actually, you know, doing the right thing and making money for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't see that going away anytime you know, exactly. in the near future. So yeah, I mean, to your point, not only about making money, keeping them happy in their job. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, and ex excited to come in and, you know, be, be excited to do what they got to do. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the conversation.